Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seven of the Rio 2016 hockey gold medalists are returning to the Olympics five years later. But don't call them the reigning champions. That's the message from Captain Holly Pern-Webb as nine of the 16-strong squad are set to make their Team GB debuts in Tokyo this summer. We hear from Holly and the men's captain Adam Dixon on this episode of Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. I'm John. And I'm Michael, and heading into the Games as defending champions, not reigning champions, we've already been told about that, always adds pressure to the build-up, with more focus from the media and fans alike. Coming up, we speak to another of Britain's Olympic champions from 2016, heading back to Tokyo as he struggles to find the form of five years ago in Rio. Yeah, I've worked really hard throughout my career to take my failures as positives, and you know, I've failed 2012, 2019 at the World Championships. 2010 at my first Commonwealth Games, I hit the board. I've worked really hard on not just getting bogged down on, yes, it went wrong and I failed, but why? Jack Law coming up, but anything but footy wouldn't be anything but footy without lots more as well with the latest Team GB team announcements, shooting, triathlon, swimming. We'll talk athletics, paracycling and how many positive COVID tests there were at the two biggest sporting para events in the world before Tokyo. We'll be telling you. And we also love to hear from you, of course, and you can get in touch anytime at Anything But F on Twitter, or you can also follow us and send us a message on Instagram and Facebook as well. Our website is there for you, anythingputfooty.com. You can send a message via the website, or just drop us an email directly, anythingputfooty at gmail.com. So one of the biggest team announcements before the Olympics has taken place with 36 names being added to the Team GB roster for this summer's Olympics in five weeks' time now. 16-strong squad each, plus reserves for the men and women hockey teams have been revealed. There's youth and experience abound in the women's squad who won gold five years ago in Rio. But as you'll hear from the captain in moments, that's a different time and a different team. They want to win their first gold medal this time. So, 
Michael, who's in the men's women's hockey squad? Well, we'll start with the hockey women's squad. And on the plane, Giselle Ansley, one of the nine Rio returnees. Grace Ballston, who is a debutante. The 21-year-old Fiona Crackles. Maddie Hinch, the goalkeeper, saved the crucial penalty against Holland in the final five years ago. Sarah Jones is one of two Welsh players named. Hannah Martin. Shona McCarlin. Lily Owsley. The 20-year-old Izzy Petter. Ellie Rea. One of two Scots, Sarah Robertson. Anna Toman. Susanna Townsend. Laura Unsworth for her third Olympics. And she's got 276 British and England caps so far. And Leah Wilkinson makes up the 16. And the women's reserves, Amy Costello, the Scottish defender. And the Welsh hockey player, Sarah Evans, all led by their captain and Rio gold medalist, Holly Pern-Webb, who we caught up with at the team announcement earlier. Hi, I'm Holly Pern-Webb um, and I am delighted to be selected for my second Olympic Games this summer. First one went OK, didn't it? First one, yeah. <laughs> for the first Games and winning gold, I don't think your ratios can get better than that. <laughs> What are your reflections and memories five years on from the glorious night at the Diodoro? Yeah, um, the Rio Olympic Games obviously was incredibly special. My first Olympic Games was expecting a roller coaster as Olympic Games normally go and and it just went so smoothly. Um, I feel very, very fortunate that I sort of joined into the last four years of a 12, 16 year journey for a lot of the women that were in my team. Um, so very, very fortunate that I got to sort of just be that little bit right at the end. Um, but it fills me just with pride, smiles, um, and I still have to pinch myself um, to even believe that it happened. So yeah, it's just given me extra motivation and excitement for the, the last five years leading into Tokyo. You say the little thing, you scored the crucial penalty, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I, I was always in that penalty shuffle group. But yeah, my coach, Danny, had never selected me before. So it was a bit of a surprise to be picked as number five. But yeah, obviously very, very pleased that I was. And yeah, an unbelievable moment. I don't think I could ever in my wildest dreams as a defender and someone who doesn't score many goals to, um, to have experienced. And does it get better then becoming captain and now leading into the Olympics? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's better because obviously as a little kid, as eight year old, I just dreamt of going to Olympic Games, playing hockey and, and winning a gold medal and obviously have achieved that. And obviously it's filled me with a huge sense of pride. But yeah, being selected now for my second Games and, and going there as captain, um, yeah, is is something as I mentioned it, like I've never, ever, ever dreamt of, of that. And it's a huge honour, probably one of the biggest honours in my life. So, um, yeah, again, I have to sort of pinch myself and I don't think it will seem real till probably after the Games. Inevitably, we've started this by talking about Rio 2016 and the gold medal. But a lot of that squad, as we know, have moved on. And you now have to build a new era and a new team and a new ethos to try and go and do it again. Yeah, that's a huge challenge. Um, I, I remember in Rio, we had a sort of debrief session and our coach at the time, Danny, was straight away talking about Tokyo and and how hard it will be to win after winning and it being a new challenge and, and how we'd have to be better because all of the teams will be better. It'll be harder to do. 
Um, and I remember at the time, obviously knowing that I wanted to stay on and, and wanted to be part of that journey, um, how it excited me, but also it would, yeah, it would be a huge challenge. And the last five years have definitely thrown challenges our way as a women's program with, you know, as you said, loads of retirements after Rio, significant retirements of really key core leaders in our squad. And, and then we've had a significant number of, of injuries again to the to um, the experienced players that were still in our squad after Rio. And, and then we had a change of coach as well. So new head coach coming in in 2019 um, and then the pandemic. So <laughs> I feel like we've had a number of challenges over the last five years. But this squad, I think... Um, is in a really good place now. It's a really young squad. Um, it is building a new one. So we, we very much don't see ourselves as the reigning Olympic champions. You know, that was a very different squad. And we're going to Tokyo to try and create our own history and, and win our first Olympic gold medal as this young young team. But it just fills everyone with excitement. This extra year, I think, is going to be a huge benefit to us, having that extra year with our new coach, Mark, and extra year with the youngsters that came in in end of 2018 um so we're all very very excited we haven't played much hockey i guess over the past year um so really looking forward to the games in a few weeks i have a book on my shelf you're on the front page of it it's called the history makers it was very much a fairy tale for lots of people what happened before was there ever any point where you thought I'm never going to top this in my career. I'll, I'll just pack up now. Or was those challenges that you spoke about always just overwhelming for you? Yeah, I mean, I did think at one point my life's peaked at 25, <laughs> winning an Olympic gold medal. But uh, no, for me, it was quite easy straight after the game in, in Rio. I, I knew straight away that I wanted to go and do this again. Um, and what made it so special in Rio was the journey that squad had been on and I'd only been part of it for those last four years and that was a roller coaster in itself um but it made that moment in Rio so special and and this group you know even over the last five years has changed significantly due to injuries and retirements um but we've also been through challenges and it's that journey that fingers crossed we go to Tokyo and we, we do well makes it so worth it um so, yeah, for me, it just added extra motivation. Um, looking forward to the journey with the whole squad of, of 26 and those girls that had also been involved before that. Um, yeah, that makes, yeah, makes the cycle really special, I think. Mm, absolutely. You mentioned um, not to really call you the reigning champions. Um, and I think that's really interesting from a, from a media point of view, because it's something that Michael and I will talk about in the podcast pretty much every month it's well the reigning champions are doing this the reigning champions are doing that and maybe that's a, a, a focus for us media a message for us media that please treat us as the new team rather than the the, the team gone by yeah yeah because it, it's it, this group this squad has a very different feel to it you know it's a really as I mentioned earlier young squad and so much more inexperienced than than the squad that was out there in Rio um and yeah, part of our goals that we've talked about is we want to go and win our first Olympic gold medal. And this group hasn't done that together before. Um, and so we want to create our, our own history. You know, we're so fortunate of the legacy we've got and, and all the women that have come before us. And that's a huge part of why we decided to keep our same vision as last cycle. We want to be part of a long story for women's hockey in this country. But yeah, we're, we're going out to Tokyo to create our own history. 
um, as a very new look, feel squad. Um, I think at the very beginning of its journey, really. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Final one then for me, Holly. Looking at it, because you're in it, has, has British hockey moved on from Rio in, in terms of have you really capitalised on that achievement? I mean, I think looking back over the last year with not much hockey being played, it's it's hard to answer that one. But I think if you look at 2018, where we hosted the Women's World Cup, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the biggest audience for a women's standalone sporting event we'd ever seen in this country. Um, and that obviously was as England rather than a GB being a World Cup. But that was just incredible to walk out in a home crowd of 10,000 people at Lee Valley right by where the girls had created history in 2012 winning a bronze medal as GB. Um, so if I think back to when I was an eight-year-old and just starting playing hockey and would that sort of thing happen? Absolutely not. Um, and did I have a dream of being in that position of walking out there? Like, absolutely not. So I, I do think hockey in this country has come on leaps and bounds and women's sport in general. And there's still a long way for that to go, but I'm, very happy and very proud to be part of that driving force with women's sport and getting more visibility out there. Fantastic. Thank you very much and all the very best. Thank you very Tokyo, much. In Tokyo Thank this you. summer. I think it's a fair point that Holly says they're not reigning champions, Michael. We've said it week, as I said to her, we say it most months. They're the reigning champions, the reigning champions. But it's not like Linford Christie. Uh, it's not like Andy Murray. It's not like Alistair Brownlee, Mo Farah, they're not the same team five years on. No, they're a very different team. And I think when you look at the way the GB women's hockey team progressed, it was a eight, 12-year plan, if you like. It was a bronze medal winning team in London in 2012. They then went on pretty much as a group, as a whole, and achieved what they achieved in Rio. Then we lost the legends, if you like. They moved on, they retired. Names that people know, Kate Richardson-Walsh, Helen Richardson-Walsh, Sam Quek in the jungle. All these names that had become very familiar over 17 days or so in Rio. And we had a small nucleus, but we had a lot of new players come in. And so I think the team have to get into that mindset that this is not just a continuation of the Rio story. This is the start of our story. And realistically, this is probably not their time. They probably need to go on that journey that the class of 2016 did. And actually, they should be looking at Paris in three years' time. Or maybe for some of them, Los Angeles in 2028. Because they won the silver England, didn't they, at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. They won bronze in London 2012 as Britain, silver as England in the Commonwealth Games. And then obviously went to Rio uh, and won the gold. I think you're absolutely right. But I do like the way that they are talking about creating their own bit of history. Because it's still an achievement, as we keep saying, to go to the Olympics is still an achievement uh, in itself. And in fact, let's talk in a moment to the men's captain, because, you know, we talk about that with him, about what an achievement it is. Yeah, the men's squad of 16 has 12 Olympic debutants and in good form, having narrowly missed out on a bronze medal at the Euros in Holland, where they, of course, competed as England recently. So the men's squad, David Ames, one of four returning for his second Olympics in Rio. Liam Ansell. Brendan Creed. The 22-year-old Jacob Draper, one of two Welshmen. It's the first time in 21 years since Wales were represented 
in the Team GB men's hockey team at the Olympics. James Gall. Chris Griffiths. 22-year-old goalkeeper Ollie Payne. Phil Roper. Liam Samford. Rupert Shipperley. Ian Sloan. Tom Sawsby. The youngest player at 21 years of age, Zach Wallace. Jack Waller. And Sam Ward. The men's reserves, another Scotsman in there, Alan Forsyth. And Harry Martin. Again, appearing in his second games, Adam Nixon is the captain and one of the more experienced with 284 England and Great Britain caps. Adam, it must be a hugely, hugely proud moment to be captain of a nation going to the Olympic Games because a lot of sports don't have individual captains, but you guys do. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a huge honour to be an Olympian. There are very few of us um, around and probably even fewer can call themselves captains. So yeah, I do consider myself extremely lucky to be in this position. It's something that I know my mum and dad, especially, but you know, all my family and friends back home will be, will be so chuffed for me. Um, but it's been a long time coming. I, I'm, I'm 34 years old, the oldest guy in the team. And uh, hopefully some of that wisdom can, uh, can trickle down through the rest of the guys. Cause we've got guys who are you know, in their early twenties who, who I don't, I don't understand their fashion or their music anymore. So um uh yeah i've got a job on my hands but yeah it's uh it's certainly an amazing position to be in one that i absolutely love and um yeah looking forward to the summer and you talk about not many people have the opportunities to be an olympian since 1896 there's only been about six thousand people from these shores so it is a pretty elite club so what does it mean to you yeah it's you know i've never really answered this question so it's quite a tricky one but it i guess it just means it means so much on on many levels, but I've just I've I've been around in this game for so long. I know I picked up a stick when I was five years old, and genuinely I was hugely inspired by watching footage of the Olympic Games and watching GB play. I had an old VHS that I think had GB versus Holland. Um, we lost, but I, I did something with me. It just like, that was sort of you know it was sort of destined as long as so long as I could keep progressing through the ranks that that's where I wanted to be and that was sort of the big overarching goal for me as a hockey player um so yeah to be able to say that I've yeah been to one Olympics um and going to go to a second is is huge it's, it shows that, that all of that time invested watching that VHS <laughs> um but also on the pitch you know all the people who have helped contribute to my story my journey um that it's all been worthwhile and um there's still loads of hard work to come but this is the really exciting bit and I don't get so excited about training every single day in the freezing cold in the rain um but I do get excited about going to major international sporting competitions and uh yeah I'm glad that I've, I've booked my ticket um but yeah there's uh it's going to be a real squad effort this summer um but one we're 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 well up for well, you mentioned the squad. Just with England, obviously, at the Euros, has that put you in a good frame of mind and good form? Yeah, I mean, it's. I sort of have to juggle, you know, the GB captaincy with England captaincy, and it's it's um, it's not always easy. But um, the European Cups was uh, the European Cup. Sorry, just this couple of weeks um, has been really good. Um, Minus a medal, <laughs> you know, we don't don't forget we're in this business for medals. Um, we were so close, and it was such a frustrating tournament 
because we were so close, knowing that we'd you know really rattled the world champions Belgium and and taken three points off them in the group stage, we couldn't quite replicate that in the in the bronze medal match. But we weren't far off. And if I was to look back and rewind five years ago, um, just before we left for Rio, we went to a an invitational tournament. The Europeans wasn't on at that point. It was an invitational tournament, but we we beat everybody and we and we and we sort it sort of glossed over maybe some of the cracks that were starting to maybe appear, like it all, it all felt like everything was going silky smooth. And we went into the, into Rio and when the pressure was really on, I think we weren't that team that we thought we were. Um, this time round, back in Amsterdam, the England performances, I felt that we truly went after it. Like there were no regrets coming off the pitch that, you know, you, you can sometimes get, you know, I wish I'd, I wish I'd just tried that a little bit harder um, there was none of that. Like I felt that every single person on the pitch really contributed, and it was just trying to. Yeah, it's really important to have some momentum going into the Olympics, um, and I think we're in a good spot. We're not, we're not getting carried away. Uh, we know it's going to be hard. The group stage is very hard. We've got a very tough group, um, and and yeah, I, I think I genuinely think we're think we're ready. And obviously, this is Team GB, so you've got. The Welsh, uh, two guys competing for Wales for the first time in 21 years in the British men's hockey team and Scots as well. How important is it that it, it is made up of the home nation? Uh, hugely important. I mean, I think it's something when I've heard Eddie, jo- Eddie Jones, albeit talk about rugby in, in England, his side sort of reflects society, you know, the backgrounds and things that they've got going on. I think that's really important that, you know, to, to help inspire more people into the sport. I think, you know, you, we you do have to have people from different walks of life. And just to, to touch on those two Welsh guys, Rupert and Jacob, I mean, actually, I think it was the VHS that I watched, David Hacker. He was the last Welsh player to play in Sydney 2000, 21, yeah, 21 years ago. So I know that very well. Um, so to have those Welsh guys in is, yeah, it's so good because I think, you know, they've been, they've been going about their business as a national team in some you know pretty impressive manner like the, the the last Europeans that we had out in Antwerp um they put a really good shift in um and they've been yeah really progressing on the international international scene so I think it's it rightly reflects that they now have two players in a 16-man um Olympic squad so congratulations to them both and we have come through as a nation such a dis- divisive time haven't we and I think sportsmen and women seem to be very aware of that and very aware of this moment that you have now, this opportunity to try and bring us all together a little bit back, building on that theme of what you were just saying. Yeah, I think there was definitely a a, a selfish part of that. I think if I speak on behalf of the athletes, you know, at one point the Olympics didn't look like it was going ahead. And I'd been training for four years and I was, you know, I was thinking, oh no, no, this can't, this can't be happening. So it was so grateful to be able to have, um, have the games rearranged and an incredible amount of work has gone on. But I think, you know, sport can play an amazing part in, in the psyche and just the, the atmosphere of the nation. You know, we've, we've seen it in the Olympics gone by and no greater so than the London Olympics when, you know, the whole nation just came alive. You, people get behind sports that they've never even considered or didn't even know were sports, you know, and then people become household names. So I'm not saying that I want to become a household name, but I think it's just, that's the power that sport does have. Um, and yeah, if we can, if we as the men's hockey team 
um, can contribute to that in any small way or significant way, then we're, um, yeah, we're all down for it. Final one from me, then you are a household name in the Dixon household. <laughs> and I guess you want something to bring back for a five month old that will be super proud of dad at some point when they know yeah. what's going on. His, um, well, I mean, his Olympic dream was shattered. He was, <laughs> my wife and uh, my boy were hoping to come out. And then the, the news of, you know, no overseas spectators put a, a quick stop to that. So to come home with a, with a medal um, to show for my efforts, the team's efforts um, would be, you know, the icing on the cake and um, probably one that I could actually retire on <laughs> being 34 years old. <laughs> And you're doing daddy daycare at the moment. We've all done it. Michael and I do it as well. How, how are you finding it? Because you're going to be away, what, for six weeks? Yeah. Um, we've had a few good test runs. We've, we managed to get to Malaysia for a couple of weeks. Um, we've been at, at the European Cup and a, another uh, trip over to the continent. So my wife's had a bit of practice. And it's only until this last day or so I realised how, how hard she has had it. Because, I mean... I wake up and I'm I'm already spent. I'm already cooked. So I'm actually rocking the baby underneath the table with my foot as we speak. And he's just drifted off. So I think I'm doing okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I thought elite sport was, was quite tough. And then I became a dad and realized actually when I go to work, go to Bisham Abbey and train with the team, it's actually feels like a bit of a holiday at times. <laughs> It is very, very different. Well, we, you, you're doing very well and we wish you all the best of luck in Tokyo as well. Thanks for talking to Anything But Footy. No worries. Thanks, guys. And it clearly means a lot to Adam to be going out there and captaining his country. And I think realistically, as he says there, at 34 years of age, this is probably going to be his, his swan song at this level. I mean, let's not write him off. You know, Paris, as we keep saying, is only three years away, which I know is interesting and you know is interesting a lot of Olympians that I think face with a four-year cycle might not have Paris on their agenda. But with a three-year cycle, so realistically qualifying for the Games in another couple of years, it suddenly does sort of come sharply into focus. But yeah, for Adam, very proud moment for him. He has been there before. We know that. He is hugely experienced and he's got an opportunity. I think the men... One of the disappointments, the men's hockey team, I think, in Rio last time. There weren't many disappointments in the, the Team GB setup. Men's hockey was probably one of them. And he'll he'll have that, I'm sure, front of mind and be trying to use that with him and his, his other less experienced teammates. I like the fact that he's hungry. He mentioned in Rio that they felt like they were in a good place and they weren't maybe in the right frame of mind. This time, they were disappointed to finish fourth in the Euros. It wasn't what they wanted. They wanted that medal. And that disappointment and that drive might just push them on, like we talked about with the women's team, that progress from London 2012 to Glasgow 2014 to Rio 2016. Can the British men get in their heads the right frame of mind to go and perform on the world stage and beat Belgium again, the, the world number one team, and, and do what they can. Yet, he says, it's a tough group. You never can tell in the Olympics. It's going to be really, really tough, but we wish them well and fingers crossed for them. Talking of hockey, we also wish, wish Emily Dufresne all the best. She's announced her retirement from the GB hockey setup. The 2018 Commonwealth Games bronze medalist with England has decided to put her long-term health and well-being before her international career. But she will be working in the Olympic Park. 
She's going to head into the communications department of West Ham United. But as we know, we don't talk footy on this podcast. So let's quickly move on. (laughs) Yeah, we're now just five weeks away from the game's opening ceremony and a busy one for Team GB. All their athletes are getting their Adidas kit at the moment. Ben Sherman, ceremonial wear, looks very smart for the opening and closing ceremonies. The so-called kitting out process at the giant NEC in Birmingham, well underway. We'll hear from a couple of them literally a couple, who've been there this week. And more on Birmingham 2022 to come as well. Another flurry of Team GB team announcements then. Two new names for the British swimming squad, taking the total to 30 swimmers now competing in Tokyo. Laura Stevens and Lucy Hope will both make their debuts after some eye-catching displays at the European Championships and the Glasgow Meets events in recent weeks. Hope won four golds in the relays. Stevens also won a relay gold and smashed her PB by half a second in the 200 fly. It's a yes for Yi from the selectors after winning the Leeds World Series triathlon. We told you about in the last episode. Alex Yi becomes the fifth and final British athlete to compete in the triathlon in Tokyo. Don't forget there's a new team event gold medal up for grabs as well. It also confirms no place for double Olympic champion Ali Brownlee. 23-year-old Amber Hill is now the most experienced British shooting athlete going to the Games this summer. After getting selected as the fifth shooter in the squad, she'll compete in the Women's Olympic Skeet, having reached the final in Rio five years ago, aged just 18. She's also ranked number one in the world. And I'm not allowed to call it synchro anymore. No, 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 no. no, no. Artistic swimming and huge congratulations to Kate Shortman and Isabel Thorpe, who've booked a British spot at the Olympic Games. Now, they haven't officially been named by Team GB as yet, but well done to them. Supported by Swim England, you're on your way to Tokyo after finishing seventh in the qualifying event in Barcelona and the top nine were guaranteed a place in Japan. We mentioned the Olympics can be the start of something, but it can, of course, also mark the end. More retirements announced this week. Rio silver medalist Siobhan Marie O'Connor, who won gold at the World, European and Commonwealth Games level, says that she was very disappointed not to have been able to compete again in the Olympics this summer. But she has achieved her dreams and travelled the world. She has, of course, remember, spent her whole career battling with colitis too and has vowed to continue highlighting the condition. Spare a thought as well for Karen Bardsley, set to represent Team GB in football again. The England goalkeeper has withdrawn from the squad after an injury she picked up playing for her club side in France. But it does mean reserve keeper Sandy McIver, who spoke to us on a previous episode about being ready for that call, is now ready for that call. And Spain's Rafa Nadal has also pulled out of Wimbledon and the Tokyo Olympics after losing to Novak Djokovic in the semis of the French Open. He says he needs to put his body and health first. We have very fond memories of a night watching Rafa Nadal on a balmy Rio evening five years ago playing tennis, but he's not going to be there this time. Talking of Tokyo, though, Japan has revealed that the city will lift its state of emergency just a month before the Games begin next week and thought we would worth letting you know some of these interesting statistics from the International Paralympic Committee, which has seen two of the largest para-events staged in the last few weeks, the European Para-Athletics in Poland and the Para-Swimming Championships in Madeira. Now, Poland hosted 670 athletes representing 44 different nations and carried out a total of 5,842 COVID tests across 12 days. The results of that? No athlete or team member tested positive. 
In Madeira, 370 swimmers, 47 different nations from across the world. 2,000 tests, just three positive results. World Para Sports MD Christian Holtz said, We could not be happier with the results achieved in those championships as they give us further assistance and assurance about the protocols that are being put in place by organisers to ensure the safe and secure delivery of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. Not statistics I've seen reported anywhere else, John. No, surprise, surprise. It's not. It's good news. So it's not reported by anybody, uh, which is a shame. Well done to the para organisers for that and for the uh, press release telling everybody about it. Huge congrats as well to Dame Sarah Storey, who has now won 40 paracycling and para-swimming world titles in her brilliant career. She did the double at the Paracycling Road Worlds in Portugal, the C5 road race title and time trial and she's spoken to us a few times Michael about how frustrated she is that paracycling and her events don't get the coverage that they get during the Paralympics so once every four years you hear about it and nothing since and what an achievement that is for her as she's going into what is it sixth seventh Paralympic game she started in Barcelona 92 as a swimmer I was at school you were at school watching that so Barcelona 92 Atlanta 96 Sydney 2000 Athens 04, Beijing 08, London 12, Rio 2016, 8th Games for Dame Sarah Story. Phenomenal. What do they make someone after a dame? Duchess, princess, queen. (laughs) The queen? Yeah. Queen Sarah Story. Unbelievable. Also taking place this week has been the first of the kitting out opportunities at the NEC in Birmingham. Most of the Team GB team will go through this process where they convert some of the big halls at the NEC into a place where you can go and get measured up for your kit and pick up all your bags and everything you need. There was an Aldi supermarket in the last one. Yeah, I think there is this time from what I've seen. We're not being allowed in, obviously, this time around because of COVID, but they did. They had a proper checkout and everything. And you had people like Max Whitlock doing somersaults down the checkout last time I remember (laughs) seeing. But yeah, all the athletes are getting to go through there and we are getting the opportunity to speak to some of them uh, via the wonders that is the technology of Zoom. It can be pretty noisy in the background, as you can imagine. Imagine where you've got all these athletes that have just recently been selected, excited for the Games. Uh, but I had the opportunity to catch up with Jack Law. Now, Jack, of course, with Chris Mears, was Great Britain's first ever diving gold medalist in Rio. Also won a silver in the individual event. But things haven't gone too right for him over the past few months. He did win a gold medal at the test event in Tokyo, but then had by his own high standards a pretty poor European Championships, a silver in the one-metre springboard and only a sixth-place finish in the synchro with Dan Goodfellow. But like all athletes, he's accepting those results, using them as a learning experience and moving on. Jack, congratulations on being named again for another Olympics. Is it as exciting in 2021 as it has been before for you? Very different. I'll tell you that right now. It's um, it's it's very different process to, to a normal Olympic Games, but it's none less exciting than it was the first time, you know, when... I remember when I first got told that I was going to the Olympic Games, um, the feeling that I got, the pride, uh, the excitement that I got from being selected was was there and it was it was there to stay, I think, because I, I still got that this time around. It was almost a sense of relief when I actually got selected this time. But I'm I'm really, really proud of what I've achieved in my career, but being able to come to the third Olympic Games and represent Team GB is, is, um, is going to be amazing. What kind of shape are you in? Obviously, we've seen the Tokyo Test event. We've had the Europeans. How would you describe your form right now? 
I would describe it as varied, I would say. Um, we got a gold medal out in Tokyo. Um, I got silver in the, the one meter ball, but I didn't dive that well. Uh, I dived terribly in the sinker on the three meter. But for me, you know, I've worked really hard throughout my career to take my failures as positives. And you know, I failed 2012, 2019, the World Championships. 2010 at my first Commonwealth Games, I hit the board. I've worked really hard on not just getting bogged down on, yes, it went wrong and I'm, I failed, but why and what, what the reasons were and trying to work back and really uncover the truth behind my own performances and try to work on that together. And I've got a great team around me and a very supportive team at that. And um, I feel like those people have helped me overcome the problems that I've got. And after... Europeans was a bit of an eye-opener to where I was um, and I spoke after my event I spoke about how I um, try to reach perfection but it wasn't me and technique is such a strange thing in diving because it's different for everybody and I was trying to follow this textbook perfection and it just wasn't working and I did really badly and I think that it opened my eyes to the fact that I need to go back to what I do best which is my own technique um, which has done me well for my entire career up until now. Um, so I think that it's been really, really interesting. I'm really, really lucky we've had the chance to compete and, and be able to show those weaknesses because they're not going to happen at the, at the uh, Olympic Games now. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to work on them and, um, and be able to put in place what we need to to get to the Olympics and be in good stead. And are you in a good place right now? Yes. Yeah, I feel mentally, I feel great. You know, I feel that usually competing like that may throw me off but actually I felt a moment of clarity after competing I feel good I feel strong I feel mentally well um, I feel great yeah and who's going to look after Stan the dog when you and Lois <laughs> are away yeah he'll be with uh, Larry's mum and dad um, you know obviously it's a good thing not having uh, parents at the uh, at Tokyo I guess but he's uh, yeah he'd be, he'd be fine he'd be uh, living at home and be enjoying himself and um, sure getting plenty of treats well, all the very best. Great to catch up. Love speaking to you as well. See you later. It's tough, isn't it, coming back five years on? And I think he was kind of ready from what he said. It seemed like he was ready uh, a year ago and now feels like he's kind of lost a bit of the impetus. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? In a, in a, all sports are difficult in the Olympics. There is no easy Olympic qualification. But diving is such a high-impact sport and... Traditionally, of course, you are doing it from such a young age. Tom Daly, 15 or whatever he was in, in Beijing. It's amazing really to think he's still going um, and still going at the level that he is. And I think that just shows what an outstanding young man and young athlete he is. But I think for Jack, this has been a, a difficult year for him. I think he's not probably going into these games feeling in the right frame of mind that he would have been maybe 12 months ago and certainly as he would have been going into Rio. But as you heard there, he's told me he's okay. He's in a good Mm. place. And, you know, I think unusually with Jack, he will have his support network in, in Tokyo with him. Most people won't because families have to stay at home, but he lives and is in a relationship with Lois Tolson, who's another British diver who's qualified. She won a silver medal in the test event in Tokyo, a European synchro champion with Eden Cheng, finished fifth in Rio with Tonya Couch as well. And she's super excited to be going. I feel like obviously we've, COVID, we've had a bit of downtime and it's been a bit slow. But coming here and trying all the kit on has really gotten us excited and knowing that it's literally around the corner now, just a, a couple more weeks of hard training and then we'll be there in the moment. It's, yeah, it's super exciting. But you used that year quite well, didn't you? Not just in training, but bought a house and, and everything else. Yeah. Is it, 
Yeah, it's been, it's been a big year with everything. Jack, my boyfriend's also a diver. He moved in with my parents, so we've been in-laws. It was supposed to be for three weeks, I think, at the start. It ended up being five months. So yeah, it all got quite cosy and training in the garden and everything. I think it's definitely kept us motivated being together. been a nice little unit. And how is that dynamic between you and Jack? Do you talk about things other than diving? How do you escape the pool? Yeah, I mean, I think we're quite good. We can definitely tell uh, whenever, when each other's had a, a good or bad day and how, how to deal with each other. But we're obviously always there if anyone needs to talk and like bounce ideas back of things at training, what will help and things. But we definitely don't talk about diving all the time. So yeah, I think we've got a good balance, but it's definitely helpful to have each other, especially going away to the games as well. And tell us a little bit about how important the City of Leeds Diving Club has been for, for your development. Yeah, I mean, I've always been um, a lead diver. Quite a lot of the, I think all of the, the lead divers that are going to the Olympics have all moved there, whereas I, I started there and I've been there my whole life, my whole diving life, which has been 14 years now, I think. So, yeah, it's been massively important. There's the team around me in Leeds and just everything has helped me get here. So, yeah, massively grateful to everyone there. And what will it mean to you to be, to be back back at the Olympics representing your country? Oh yeah, it's going to mean, mean everything really. It's just the pinnacle of all the hard work and the, the years that you've put in to be able to stand on that 10 metre board and wear the Team GB kit and just show everyone how hard you've been working. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's a dream come true really. Great to hear. Great interview, Michael. And um, those kitting out processes they look like it's still good fun. And I think that's the key. I think we've got to realise that these Olympics are going to be fun. Yes, there's going to be a lot of rules. Less, there's going to be a lot of restrictions. And there's going to be a lot of difference from what we experienced in Rio and London and others have in lots of other games. But these guys are going to go out there and they're still going to have fun and they're still going to perform and they're still going to win medals. Yeah, and I think from what we've seen today as well, we're going to see some people in the crowd in Tokyo as well I think that's been important I know we're anything but footy but you watch the European football championships and what a difference having some fans in the stadium even if it's not quite full houses I know we have had some games in in Budapest with you know 50 odd thousand people there but even getting 12,000 into Hamden just you know made a big difference and just having some fans it will probably be people of course, local to Tokyo, people from Japan. It won't, as we know, be overseas fans, but having some fans in there will be great. And I think, as you said, these games are going ahead. These games are happening. These athletes, for the most part, are ready. And the ones that we speak to, and we speak to a lot of them, probably more more than most, they are excited to be going. They want to get there. Someone who might not be is Mo Farah, but he is getting another chance to see if he can get a qualifying time for the 10,000 metres in Tokyo as he aims to win a medal at a third successive Olympic Games, having done the double-double in London and Rio. He's been taking part, of course, or he will be taking part in a specially put-together race at the British Championships in Manchester at the end of June to see if he can join Mark Scott on the plane to Tokyo after he failed to get the qualifying time by 20-odd seconds at the official 10,000 metre trials in Birmingham the other weekend. Now, talking of fans, there could be still some tickets left to see the British Championships in Manchester at the end of June. You need to check the British Athletics website 
on Monday, where ones left will go on general sale. Talking of tickets, the full sporting schedule for Birmingham 2022 has been revealed and you now can start registering for a ticket ballot at Birmingham2022.com. And we know because we have been through... Not a ballot. Not a ballot. We've been through the London 2012 experience (laughs) and we've been through the Glasgow 2014 experience. We know that these will be tickets that lots of people will want. So, you know, get in and uh, maybe be imaginative. Maybe that's my advice. Be imaginative about what you want to go and see and what sessions you want to go and see and what sports you want to go and see. Because there's top quality competition. I was never a Lawn Bowls fan, but I spent a couple of really good mornings on Gold Coast watching Lawn Bowls. And it's great. Oh, Gold Coast, Gold Coast alert. We've had the first Gold Coast mention of the podcast. We're right at the end as well. Gold Coast alert. So so go register for tickets. Try and just go and see whatever you can. It's going to be brilliant. I think by the summer of 2022, and I'm putting my neck on the line here, we'll be really ready for it. We are going to see, hopefully, some full houses for it. So, yeah, get involved in the ballot at Birmingham2022.com. Locals will get the first chance to apply for tickets in July. The main ballot will open in September. There are 286 sessions of sport. New ones like three-on-three basketball, women's T20 cricket, which will be at Edgebaston, and mixed artistic swimming. Although they call it synchro in the press release. And I'll be having words with the press team for 2022. (laughs) He will be having words and soon will just be a very small number of days away from the start of the Olympics. One of the athletes we spoke to this week thought it would never happen. But they are, as Michael said, there's plenty more athletes to be picked for Team GB yet. Follow anything but footy and stay with us. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.